This is MuggleCast, episode 20, for December 18th, 2005. Hey everyone, welcome to MuggleCast, I'm Ben Shane. I'm Andrew Sims. Uh, Micah Tannenbaum. I'm Laura Thompson. And still, after ten weeks, I'm Jamie Lawrence. Hey, the hold on a second. back. I know. Well, that's fine, but Micah, Micah, why did you go... Hold on. Micah, why did you go ahead of Laura? Because that's what I told him to do. <laughs> okay, Micah, go to the dungeon. You're out of here. Get out of here. Get out of my sight. Get out of my sight. Okay. Ben. Okay, Ben. How dare you? How dare you? Ben. Micah. We'll see how long you Okay, Micah, you don't have to go to the dungeon, but at least update us on this week's news. Thanks, Ben. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire has been shortlisted for a special effects Oscar. Six other films are also in the running, including King Kong and The Chronicles of Narnia. Fifteen-minute clip reels from each film will be screened for the Visual Effects Award nominating committee on January 25th. At the screening, members will vote to nominate three of the seven films for Oscar consideration. Speaking of nominations, my personal favorite song from the Goblet of Fire soundtrack... Do the Hippogriff is currently one of 42 tracks longlisted for an Oscar in the Best Original Song from a Motion Picture category. The final nominees will be announced on January 31st. Additionally, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire has been nominated for Best Family Film at the 2005 Critics' Choice Awards. Emma Watson and Dan Radcliffe have been nominated in the areas of Best Young Actress and Best Young Actor. The winners will be announced on January 9th on the WB Network. For all the latest Goblet of Fire screenshots, videos, and interviews, including ones with Dan Radcliffe on Dateline and Rafe Fine's appearance on The Tonight Show and in The New York Times, head over to MuggleNet's main page. Moving to Order of the Phoenix, Harry Potter Fan Zone has heard from Enchantment Casting, a British casting agency which represents young actors, that the role of Nymphadora Tonks has been filled. Apparently the role was filled right after casting began. Also, casting for the younger versions of Lily, Snape, Lupin, James, and Sirius is now in its final stages. Although Enchantment Casting is usually informed about all parts in the movie, they have not yet heard any news regarding Marietta Edgecombe and Lavender Brown. As to whether they've been cut, we'll let you know when we receive more information. In November, CBBC Newsround reported that five girls had made it through to the final stage of Warner Brothers' casting of Luna Lovegood. The children's news show now expects a decision to be made on who will play everyone's favorite Ravenclaw early next month. Finally, on Wednesday, the official site of author J.K. Rowling expanded to offer French, German, Italian, and Spanish visitors with text-only versions. Now, if she would only update her site. That's all the news for this December 18th, 2005 edition of MuggleCast. On with the show. Oh, and Ben, I think I'm just going to hang around. No dungeon just yet. Thanks, Micah. I think that news does redeem yourself. Okay, so, Andrew, don't we have some announcements before we get into our main topic? Of course we do, Ben. Um, as of the release of this episode... <laughs> Poor Andrew, he's sick. He's very <laughs> sick. Sorry. Send him some as, Sudafed. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that in a minute about sending us stuff. Um, as of the time of the release of this podcast, the Goblet of Fire's soundtrack contest is now closed. So, uh, we got a little over 500 entries, um, and once again, the winners will be picked randomly. 15 winners will win a free copy of the Goblet of Fire soundtrack. Free. Yours free for a $15 value. Ooh, we can do the hippogriff together, right, Andrew? Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to having to enter a contest and then pay for the prize. I should hope they're yeah. free. Yeah. You know. Like like contests that we've done in the past. This one is free. Yeah. Um, yeah. Normally we charge now, uh, a, a grand, a thousand dollars entry yeah, we, fee, but we we thought we'd waive that this time. Well, another thing that we have that I set the guys all set up today is that some of you have emailed re- requesting to send things to us. You say you want to send us a letter. Say you want to send us a Chipotle gift card or anything. Well, we have a post office box now. So if you want to send us something, a letter, just anything you want to send us, you can send it to MuggleCast, P.O. Box 223, Moundridge, Kansas 67107. That's MuggleCast. Maybe you should write that down. P.O. Box 223, Moundridge, that's M-O-U-N-D-R-I-D-G-E, Kansas 67107. 
I'll check that and for all quite often. So we'll have it on MuggleCast.com. Yeah. so you don't have to remember. And, and it also it also be in the show notes. So yeah, if you want to send us something, and it'll also go be ahead and do it. <laughs> good, good job, Micah. And also, in addition to having this new way to contact us, well, Andrew has something else. To yeah, I, I just want to say about the PO box. It's good that it's in Kansas because it's in a central location. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh-huh. I guess not. <laughs> oh, sure. You, you jerk. Kansas rules. No, Kansas I'm not rules. even insulting. I'm just saying it sh- saves on shipping rates. So, it's, never mind. I can't even talk. So he can't even talk. And then also. We've been working very hard this week, nonstop. We just love MuggleCast. <laughs> we put a lot of effort into all this. We also now have a phone number. A Ooh. phone number to call us and leave voicemails, because one of the biggest complaints that we've gotten is that, oh my god, I don't have a microphone. How do I do it? Well, you all have a phone, I hope. So uh, Yeah. Um, and the number for that is, it's U.S. number, 218 Two zero, magic. That's magic with a C, not a lame ripoff with magic with a K. Yeah, so absolutely yeah, it's magic not. with a C. We put some work into this. Yeah, well, we we actually we we searched through it. We found magic with a C, so it's legit this time. And yeah, so magic with a C. Two one eight twenty magic. Call us. Give us a call. Now your normal uh, you know rates blah 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 will apply. But that's it. Yeah, and leave us a message. Don't expect us to answer unless we're bored. Oh, and also you've forgotten one thing. Please seek the bill pay- payers' what? permission before you uh, call up. That. <laughs> yeah. Please ask your parents' permission before calling. Okay. You don't. Well, you don't really folks. Laura, isn't our topic this week Emma Watson? Is that uh, right? No. <laughs> oh come this on. This is not. This is come not on. Bema. This is not Bema. Our topic but is Emma. 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 Bema. Ben. Emma. Ben and Emma. No. See, Jamie, you're so in the dark. No, 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 here. no, 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 no. I clearly okay. am. I've missed Andrew this. even said last week that we are canceling Bema, and Aww. for that, I am glad. Aww. Okay, I think so. Yeah, recently Emma just did an interview with the Kansas City Star. What did you guys think about that? Did she really? I didn't actually hear it, but I figured you were excited. Oh, you can Jeez, you guys. <laughs> Okay, I guess we'll I guess we'll discuss Hermione since you guys are being jerks. Well, it it, it okay. is the it is the one that we promised this week. Yeah, but Emma's so much more exciting. To be honest, okay. Ben, they're basically the same. That's your Christmas. They're basically person. the same, are they? Well, you know, okay. Emma plays Hermione. It's closer to examine Hermione in relation to Emma than examine Malfoy or something. You know, unless you well, speak that way. Well, we ben. should talk about okay. how Emma, how Hermione is portray- portrayed in mm-hmm. the films. Because very, some, very some people take it the wrong way, see it badly, poorly. Ben thinks. Okay. Ben thinks that she's we'll portrayed that very, 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 very well. Don't you, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. He has dreams at night. He has dreams at night of like, like running through a cornfield, and, and they're chasing each other, and their arms are about. <laughs> to, and, and, oh come on. <laughs> you, uh-oh. You can hear like chariots of fire going. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, and enough, enough embarrassing me. Okay, about Hermione. This information is from the hp-lexicon.org. Her birth name is Hermione Jane Granger. Her the middle name came from the World Book Day chat that J.K. Rowling did back in 2004. Hermione is a name from the sh- from Shakespeare's play. Um, a winter tale. Have, His only have, play. Yeah, a little. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. Shakespeare's play, Winter Tale. J.K. Rowling has had basically to teach everyone how to say her name uh, in book four, Hermione with Crumb. Her birth date is September 19th. She's muggle-born. She's a mudblood in quotations. I don't really think she's a mudblood. <gasps> ben, how could you? Oh, <laughs> you guys. She has a cat named Crookshanks. Her hair is brown, and, and her eyes are brown, and her hair is really bushy. Oh, thanks for that. Yeah, in case you haven't noticed. <laughs> are we talking about Hermione or the cat? Yeah. Oh. Hermione. Ooh. Okay. Is this Crime Stoppers? If you've seen this girl, <laughs> call us. <laughs> Brown and so, bushy hair. Speaking Brown of mispronouncing hair. Hermione's name, I'm curious. How did everyone here pronounce it before? I pronounced it Hermione. Normal. Her. I. I pronounced it Hermione. Oh my god. I said. I said. I said hormone, like hormone, oh except with an e. <laughs> <laughs> I. For me, it was different because I got into the into the books after re, after seeing the movies. So it was Emma. 
I heard Hermione, so I went out of the book. I thought Hermione. So, yeah. Uh, what about you, Micah? You're just smarter yeah. than us. I got yeah, in with yeah, the babies too. So. <laughs> okay, so what do you get? What role do you think Hermione's going to play in Book Seven? That's the question everyone's dying to know. Well, oh, yeah. I think it's fairly obvious that she, as well as Ron, are going to accompany Harry to the end as far as they can. Yeah, well, no, she's going to be how she always has in the past books. The, the brains, the one who spends the time actually researching stuff that they do. Although, although um, we still haven't found out why she's in Gryffindor and why she isn't in um, Ravenclaw. Because if you remember, when she did the protein charm in Order of the Phoenix, and I think it was Ernie McMillan asked her why she wasn't put in Ravenclaw, and she was put in Gryffindor, she couldn't answer it. So I think we're going to have to find out in Book 7 why she is. So she's obviously going to do something brave. And she has a very special relationship with Harry because there's absolutely no ro- romance there, so she's going to be with him to the end, and she's going to fight with him to the end, um, and she's going to have to do something really brave. So I hope... Well, I hope what do you... Sorry, go on. Go ahead. I was going to say, Jamie, do you think that she'll live to the end of Book 7, or oh, is she going to kick the bucket? Could that be the courage she displays? I, I'm a really big believer in the really small hints that Joe puts in, so I think in Prisoner of Azkaban, where Ron was joking about how he was going to die, I hate to say it, but I think Ron's going to go and Hermione's going to live. Yeah, me too. Me too. It's so yeah. sad. In Saving Ron? And trying uh, to save Ron? Perhaps. That perhaps, could really be. Perhaps Saving Ron. Or I perhaps... Or perhaps Ron tries the same Hermione. Mm-hmm. And dies mm-hmm. in the process. Yeah. Aww. The process. Listen to this, Brit. Uh, well, we missed it. What would I missed you call it. it. <laughs> ben, what would you call it? What would you call it? The, the, the procedure, the, man. The process. The process. the process. The process. The process. But, but, okay, we're venturing off topic. I, I don't know. I could see, I could see Hermione dying because, mm. like Jamie said, she has to display some sort of courage in, in the books. And... What um, what I thought was really interesting was that in book one, Hermione basically went against all of her morals about, oh, school, I gotta have straight A's, I can't break the rules, and then she yeah. sort of ventured out on a limb when she went down into the, the dungeon and all that stuff, and I thought that could be, that could, that could have been a displayment of courage. That's but exactly I what something I think. Something yeah. bigger, I think something Hermione well, I think has displayed to be bigger, so much courage, but I think we're going to definitely see something that we wouldn't ordinarily expect. Yeah, definitely. I mean, she's she's kind of half-showed it through really many ones, like in uh, the first book, you know, uh, and in Order of the Phoenix, when she was fighting in the Ministry of Magic. But I think it's gonna, all going to have to culminate into one big act of bravery, where she, she could save yeah. Ron or something. And I, re- I read, the, I've, I've continually cited this fan fiction story that, that I've been reading, Throughout, like the throughout the last show too, and because they brought up a lot of good theories, and one is that, well, at, towards the end of Order of the uh, excuse me, towards the end of Half Blood Prince, Harry's basically sort of starting to shun the people around him, so to speak. You know, Ginny, I don't want to have anything to deal with you. You're you're going to get killed, Ron. You're going to get killed, Hermione. You're going to get killed. You know, isn't that shunning? And, though? He's not shunning them. Not shunning, but he's sort of turning them away in a way. Yeah, but he has to do, do it. Yeah, no, but he has to do it. I no, don't no. think he's a choice. No, no, he can't do it though, Jamie. He can't do it because the reason that he's thrived throughout all the throughout the series so far is because of the friends he's had. And by turning them away, he starts. No, to lose no, 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 The no. thing the power is, that he has he's trying love. to make the choice for his friends as opposed to allowing them to make the choice for themselves, whether they want to see him through to the end. If you believe in the prophecy, then whether his friends were there or not, he. Well, I mean, depending how you interpret the prophecy, uh, if his friends were there or not, he he would have still survived. Since if as some people think Voldemort is the only one who can kill him, then you know it wouldn't have mattered if he didn't have a wand because he w- he would have had to survive like some no, confrontations no, okay. together. Dumbledore pointed out. Dumbledore pointed out at the end of book five that the reason the prophecy tr- comes true is because people involved in the prophecy basically want it to come true. Because some people have asked, well, why couldn't D- Voldemort and Harry just say? I don't want anything of it. Exactly. Yeah. It's because it's because it's because of the way that um, that Voldemort is driven by just the part of the prophecy he's yes, heard. He's very selfish. Exactly. He's very self-absorbed, and he has to have a way to. Well, someone says this Potter boy is going to be my downfall. Well, that's certainly not going to happen. So he keeps pursuing Harry, and Harry just can't keep running. Yeah. So he's going to have to have a way to step up to the challenge. So to speak. Harry, though, Harry. But, sorry, go on. Good, no, go on. I was going to say. Harry could pull out a gun and shoot himself in the head. No force would stop himself doing that. But he's not, since he has to go over Voldemort. So, you know, it, it is his choices that are causing him to pursue the prophecy. It's, it's such, yeah. a, such a complicated area. It's just like time travel. 
It's so hard to analyse. Visit, visit Mugglehead section level Yes, nine. I was going to say, do you think I can plug level 9 now? Uh, it now includes Horcruxes as well. It's like trying to delve into the mysteries of Harry Potter and analyse the really, really tough stuff. That's Mugglehead.com slash level 9. But before we move on, I want to hear what Micah Tannenbaum has to think about this. What do you think, Micah? What's Hermione's role at the end of the series? Well, I think she's going to be instrumental in uh, locating the Horcruxes. I think that she has an important role to play there, like you guys were saying before. Uh, because of her intelligence, I think that once Harry sort of divulges all this information to her, that that she's going to be a big help in that respect. Yeah, she's definitely the most clever of the three. And the reason the reason I was saying that Harry needs people around him is for basically two reasons. First of all, because of of love, because he has to have the ones he loves around him, because that's the power he has that the Dark Lord knows not. And second of all, the reason that Harry needs others around him is because they all offer something to an extent, especially Hermione. Not Ron so much, but Hermione has done more reading than Harry has. She she knows more about the magical world, world than Harry, and so having Hermione around is very crucial because Hermione will be able to basically feed him information, say, well, I know about this spell, this curse, this hit, this part about history, magical history. Don't you guys In agree? a way, she is like a teacher to Harry in a certain respect. So yes, that is quite important. I don't think Jamie just from there. Um, well, I was going to say I don't think I think Ron's more instrumental, really. I think um, I can't remember which book it was, and this is terrible. But he said no, no, it, it was Goblet of Fire about about when Harry was t- saying that he was so pleased to be on speaking terms with Ron that it didn't really matter what was happening with Hermione at that time. I think Ron Ron's always been there with him, regardless of how many arguments they have. If I had to choose one which was going to be there till the very end, it would be Ron, not Hermione. I just I think Hermione's is is obviously going to be instrumental, but I think Ron's always going to be there. But I think side. I think Hermione's more important than Ron. Sorry to all the Ron fans. It's not it's not, not just in love with Emma the uh, Emma Watson. No, but I think it could I be think I think that could Hermione be. is is more important because she's she has more more tact and she's witty no, but you and can't, she's you smarter can't than compare Ron. Ron brains aren't that important. No. They're not comparable. They're really not. Exactly. They, and Ben, why not? Why not? They really they're why complete not? opposites. You can't compare two things that are completely different. You can't sit yeah. there and say that this is better than that when they have close to but, nothing in common. And Ben, I mean, really? Um, do, you, do you remember in the first film and um and in the books when uh um, Harry said, you know, how clever Hermione was when they were on the giant chessboard, and she said, you know, books, it doesn't really count, friendship is all mm-hmm. important. So, I don't really think it matters how many books Hermione's read. Yeah, well, yes it does, yes it does, hear me out here. What I'm trying to say is that the reason that the books matter is because what's going to help him defeat Voldemort more? Having his friends, well, they both will, I, well... I'm sort of backtracking here, but <laughs> okay. I think that Ron and Hermione each serve their own they purpose. They do, yeah. That Herm- that Ron's there for the friend part, and Hermione's there for the intellectual part. Well, here's how we have to defeat Voldemort. And Ron's there for I'm here for you, buddy. Here's how. But the thing you is, know, I'm going to help you. Whatever Hermione comes up with. Ben, the thing is, we we do see Hermione as a teacher role type thing, and she does educate Harry to a certain extent, but. Seeing as the power that Harry has that Voldemort knows not is love, no one can teach Harry love. Harry has to learn it himself. Yeah, I think that Hermione is more important in the lead-up to whatever's going to happen in the finale of Book 7. I don't really see her under pressure as being the one that's going to make those split-second decisions. You know, the whole research and finding the Horcruxes, all that kind of stuff. She's important to that aspect of it, but once you get to having to make those those quick decisions. I, I don't know if she can how she performs really under pressure. She'll see Harry but, through as far as she can, but when it comes definitely. down to it, it's Harry. He's alone when it comes to defeating Harry. I don't know I don't know if we can look at it that way though. I don't know if Harry looks at it as well, I'm alone when I do this, then I don't think he'll be able to do it. No no no, I'm talking about the initial But at the very end. Yes, the initial defeat. Well, he has to kill. No one, he has to kill Voldemort. Yes, exactly. But... No one else can do that for him. Oh, I don't he know has about to that. Do it himself. I can. I don't really buy the whole. They have to kill each other thing. I'm sure there's something in the prophecy. I I, I haven't studied it enough, but 
I just don't think it's as clear-cut as that. Joe says you have to read it very, very closely. Obviously, I think it will come down to Harry and Voldemort killing each other because it's such a big, you know, build-up, and it's been uh, on the card since book one. But I'm sure there are other, you know, forces at play here. But um, going back to the thing about, you know, whether Hermione's going to be there, it isn't, like Harry said in Order of the Phoenix, it, it isn't about memorising spells and standing there and, and, and firing them at Voldemort, he's the only one who's faced him, and, and so he's the only one who really knows, you know, how to defeat him, well, in the end, he's the only one who knows what he has to do to defeat him, I don't think Hermione realises, or Ron realises what it's like to stand in front of him because, you know, people have feared him for so long, and only Harry knows what it's like to, to face with the prospect of death and and you know, duel with him, so in the end I think it has to be Harry, but obviously as Laura said, they're going to be there right to the very end. I think that's a good closing on that that initial discussion. Is there any other points you guys want to raise about Hermione? Uh, why do you guys, why do you think that her Patronus is an otter? I've always been curious about that. What what personality traits do you think that she exhibits that would make her Patronus an otter? Can I go? I yeah. think she, I'm going to be really, really boring and just say that Joe thought that Hermione should have an otter. It sounded nice, and it sort of just... I can just picture Hermione waving her wand and this otter sort of flapping about on on the ground, walking along, while she, like, turns her head, talking seriously to Harry. Just picture I don't know. Jamie, I think I might have to agree with you there. Like like we've said in the past, we overanalyze things. Well, not really... You know, you guys know what I mean. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. I don't know if the... The whole otter thing, if there's really a hidden meaning behind it, it maybe just be the oh, otter know. for the sake of being No, 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 I'm talking personality traits and such. I don't really know how an otter behaves, well, though. I mean, we don't, I don't know, know terribly much otters angry okay. or... about Hermione's background. Didn't, okay, you guys are going to think I'm crazy, but didn't J.K. Rowling, I'm going to look this up right now, didn't J.K. Rowling I know she said say something... that she liked otters? As one of her like fam- favorite animals. Yeah, it seems it seems like that, and she always talks about how Hermione was like her. Yeah, exactly. That could be it. So Simple. yeah, yeah. And I'm not a scientist or anything, but isn't there a relation between an otter and a weasel somewhere along the line? Is there? Oh, it would oh make sense. Oh my god, that's amazing. Oh my god. Oh my gosh, Micah Tonnenbaum has discovered the, Micah, the key that's to the awesome. Harry Potter shipping series. <laughs> you, guys, you guys see this? Fans, yeah. so send, send, send a letter to the P.O. box. <laughs> Give us the call. Give us a call. Fan mail. No. Give us a call. Oh my god. 218 magic. No, seriously though, he's no. he makes a good that's point. Awesome that point. is true, that is true. Now I'm gonna have That's to look really that cool. up. Let me look. I'm gonna do Google image searches and compare. Can we have can we have ten Weezer. seconds of silence to appreciate that amazing revelation? Uh, nobody Google image search weasel. I'm sorry I mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> really? I'm doing it right now, of course. <laughs> so Micah, yeah, Micah, that's a that's a very ingenious theory. I'm so I'm impressed. Did you have something else to add about it? You're on to something here? You have pioneered you this new shipping theory. Yeah, here, okay, wait. This is, this is... Oh, the shippers are going to be... This is on the bigbluebus.com. We're, we're, we're going to hear this on the Harmony podcast. Yeah. <laughs> sea otters may be similar to seals on the outside, but they are not closely related. Sea otters are related to the weasel family. Yay! But they share the sea with the seals. Yeah, 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 I guess yeah, that's yeah. for like a fifth okay. grade reading line. Micah, Micah, are you J.K. Rowling? I am. Uh, yeah, I, I swear. <laughs> Did you know that, Ben? To this kid. Didn't you know that? Huh? Of course he is. Yeah, I was just on <laughs> Skype with Joe the other day. Uh, yeah. You've been yeah. kept in the dark. Uh, I mean, don't, no. don't steal John's jokes. They're bad enough as they are. Um, <laughs> Who's John? Okay, do you guys think that there's really any question that Hermione is going to end up with Ron? Uh, no. Although, although... Any I question about Hermione point? ending up with Ron? No. I th- I have this horrible feeling that it's gonna. Well, no, I mean I don't think it is, but I can ju- I could see it happening. It being some kind of cha- you know tragedy where they admit their undying love to each other just as Ron dies. I hope it isn't gonna end like that, and I don't think Joe would do that to us actually. But uh, you never know. I don't know. I don't know. The, 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 the problem that, the problem I see occurring is that Ron is he's too big of a what's the word I'm looking for? He's a chicken. He's no, he's not. Yes, yes he, he is. is. And he no, always if has. Ron, he's, no, he's, he's scared not. of spiders. If he's scared he of talking not. to girls. The only, the only time he's ever asked a girl out is when Fleur, when he was hypnotized by Fleur's Vila, 
Viva, ja- Viva Jazz. No, no, no. If, whatever okay, it's you know what? <laughs> if Ron were a coward, he would not have done half the things he's done with Harry. He would not. No, he's he a coward when it comes to girls. That's what I'm saying. When, he, when it comes to girls, well, he, yeah, he can save so the day. Scary. But I know, but I'm saying that how is Ron supposed to reveal his undying love for Hermione when he can't okay, even ask her to the Okay, half the guys on the planet are terrified of girls. They get over it. Not true. Not true. I'm not. Yeah, true. You, you guys hear me talking about Emma. I'm not terrified of anyone. I'm Ben Shane. Yeah, you. <laughs> right, well, we'll get you face to face with Emma and see what happens. Yeah. Oh, nothing will happen. But I'm the point I'm trying to make is that I, I, the only reason I wouldn't see the relationship happening right away is because the whole. Uh, well, of course, it hasn't happened right away. It's. Been I'm six talking years. about talking about book seven. When we get in the book well, no, seven. it's not going to be straight, you know, straight off. And I don't even and think of course we're going to see other, all that much of it. They have other things I think, to worry about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think if both of them live, which I think it's very possible that Ron's going to die, but if they both live, that they're going to get together at the very end. And then she said she was going to write an epilogue, letting us know what happened to everyone. So if they grow up and get married and have loads of kids, then we'll find out. But it's not going to be a huge part of the storyline. Definitely true. I have something to talk about. Can we talk about something? Yes. Okay. I think we should discuss whether Harry, if he kills Voldemort, whether he can have a quiet family life after Book Seven, or whether he he's always going to be living in the, you know the shadow of being Harry Potter and defeating Voldemort. Like, do, do you think he he can like get married and settle down and have children, and just you know live a normal life, or can't he? Take the floor, somebody. I think he could get married and he could have kids and stuff, but I don't think his life will ever be normal. No, I agree. That's a, yeah. I think it's always going to be there. It's kind of like, what's the word I'm looking for when actors are always known? Like Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker. Yeah. When he's always, whenever you see the movie, like, hey, that's Luke Skywalker. And some people think the same thing's gonna going to happen to Daniel Radcliffe. People will say, oh, what's Harry Potter doing it's in this entirely, movie? It's entirely possible. Well, I mean, like, when you say when you say living a normal life, do you mean not being recognized on the streets, stuff like that? Because if he kills no, off Voldemort, no. he won't have to be worried about that anymore. So in that sense, he won't be constantly having this on his mind and his scar won't burn and all that. But I think he'll lead a normal life. It'll just be, oh, you're Harry Potter. You're that guy. Cool. Well, no. Like, look, look no, at it after. Be before look look at look at it before Voldemort came back. When Harry, whenever he got on the train, everyone was trying to look at his scar. Whatever battle scars he has from Voldemort, if he survives the, the final battle, then it's, go, it's gonna, going to end up the same way. They're going to say, well, oh, does he have the new scar, or does he have this, or yeah. does he have... Well, it's just, it's just getting Not recognized. To mention, there's always going to be a little bit of fear there, I think. People are always going to have that little bit of fear about Harry being powerful enough yeah. to defeat Voldemort, you know, there's always the possibility that he could rise up and become the same thing. The thing is, though, he's, he's like, more than famous. It isn't just fame. He, is, he isn't, like, a celebrity. He's like, you know... I, I mean, I can't think of a word for it, but I don't think... I think it extends beyond just, like, oh, hey, you're... something can I have your autograph, you know? It's just... He's a phenom. Is, he, is that a weird word? A phenom? I don't know. Phenom? Phenomenon? A phenomenon, a phenom. Is that a word? A phenom? <laughs> a female like a type of water. Are you calling Harry a girl? I think it's. Sh- <laughs> I think it's short for phenomenon. I think you're good. Yeah, you. it's it's, it's it. a phenomenon, especially a remarkable or outstanding person. Yeah, Harry Potter is a phenom. There you go. In in the Wizarding World, I found the word for it. Okay, guys. Well, is there anything more to add about Hermione? Yes, there's you plenty to add. I, I, well, then tell me something. I just tell can't me something new it. about her. I don't know. I just see. Yeah, why was she so hurt when when Draco said that to her? She wasn't in the book. Yeah, she wasn't in the, in the book. book yeah. No, yeah, in the, the book, book she, she didn't know what it, what it was. She said, "What's a mudblood?" Oh, yeah, she just didn't know what it was because Ron reacted in the movie. She in the movie she's like, oh, "It means why? It means dirty blood." Why is Draco so <laughs> obsessed with Hermione being a mudblood as well? Think how many. Yeah. Oh, I shouldn't say that word so readily, but. 
think how many of them there are at Hogwarts. And, I mean, although, you know, the dialogue, you know, centres on Harry and his group of friends, still, you'd expect him to concentrate on all of them, not just Hermione specifically. Oh, perhaps he has a thing for her. I just... Ooh. I just... Love-hate thing. I think he's threatened by her. I think he feels very threatened by her, because we saw in Chamber of Secrets that Lucius was getting on to him for having lower exam results than her. Exactly. Mm. And on top of the fact that she's Harry's best friend, I think he's extremely threatened by her. I think I think it's Lucius that's drilling it into Draco's mind yeah. that you cannot, you have to hate this girl. She's uh, she's a uh, she's not wizardborn. Are you kidding me? You know, like that. It's all how they're raised. I I agree, I agree with you, dude. Uh, how about we talk about Emma for a little bit? Because Emma in okay Hermione in the movies is <laughs> portrayed differently than she really is in the books. Mostly, her looks. Oh, that yeah. rhymes. Yeah. Ben Definitely. likes these looks. Well, obviously, you do, too. You were even confusing. You were calling Hermione Emma, Emma Hermione. I'm, I'm, and... Well, I'm just trying to be per- mature, Ben. I'm going to hold my personal thoughts to myself. Nah. It's all right. I love you, anyway, Emma. Emma, if you I'm, listen to this, I love you. Yeah, okay. Ben, shut up. I just... She... In the movies, she looks like a beauty queen. Which is completely wrong. And I think... Laura, yeah, elaborate. It, is. it really is. Because the Yule Ball scene was supposed to be a complete transformation. Yeah, and that's a good point. I don't know about you guys, but as I was looking at the screen, I didn't see any difference. Except for the fact that she was wearing a dress. And her she had on up, yeah. earrings. Yeah, her hair was up. And there was just no... It wasn't stunning. It really wasn't. Because we see her as this more than average looking girl she's prettier than most of the girls that she's on screen with and not that emma isn't pretty because she is very pretty but i think that that they could they could do a better job of dressing her down well they don't even try because they want to make emma look good so that all the guys are interested it's sex appeal yeah i just i i can't even mention the things that my friend said in school the other day (laughs) <laughs> I've heard the same. I probably we agree with me- many of those We can't mention things. some of the things that Ben has said yeah, yeah. when we're not recording. <laughs> yeah. don't, you think, don't you think this comes down to, like, uh, do you think the book should... Sorry, do you think the film should completely mirror the books? Because, you know, there are so well, many things... that's an important thing that people are upset by. Because mo- most... Of it, a good portion of the fan base consists of girls. And they have this Emma in the movie who's looking very nice... Mighty fine. <laughs> I was waiting the for that. The reason that it bothers so many girls is because girls look to Hermione as a type of role model. Yeah. They see her as someone who has a great amount of power in the series, but she's not any... What's the best way to put this? She's more average. She, yeah, exactly. She's She's very... She's someone you can identify with on several levels, and when you see her as someone who is just physically perfect it's just mm. it kind of kills the image and it's weird um that how in the movie when when emma or hermione said the line it's taking you this long maybe you should notice i'm a girl and all this was stuff. that supposed to be a that, british accent but that was absolutely okay, it, was, it, was, it was a poor attempt a poor attempt Piss at it poor. but um when, when emma said the line when emma said the line about well ron maybe you should notice i'm a girl next time then I just kind of you kind of think, well, how can he not notice? Look how exactly. good she looks, and because in the in in the books, I think the attraction is supposed to be more of a more of a you know a per, they're attracted to the personalities as opposed to yeah. Not to, to mention, Ron doesn't know it. He mm-hmm. he's clueless. Definitely true. But I think Emma does a, I, Emma does a really good job portraying the personality. I think I yeah, think it's I just agree. the problem that they they pretty good act so much. She's a great actress. I think she's doing a good job, really. And uh, and another thing is that I've noticed is that ever since the first movie, they've started making her look better and better. I, I don't know if it has anything. I think it has to do with, do with age. Yes. She was eleven but, but, when she started. No, but seriously though, look, look at the first movie. And look at her hair though. It's all <coughs> yeah, frizzy and puffy. Her hair out. was perfect in the first one. And then second movie, it, it was just sort of long and curly. Third movie, it was just sort of. There wasn't even trademark Hermione hair anymore. Then fourth movie, it's it was some of it was straight half the time. But we know, but we know why they do this. It's for marketing. No, a lot of this 
Yes, it is. No, it's, it's not. It's because it's because people change, and the description that Joe gave at the uh, beginning of the bu- the first book, she she isn't going to describe the characters in every subsequent book. And my, you know, people people in this world change their hairstyles, they change their clothes, they change everything. You can't expect Hermione to look exactly the same. I mean, obviously, you know, it is true that she is pretty different from the books, but she's changed, and and, and you know, she, she, she's matured just as Hermione in the book says. But, I mean, are we going to see, like, a Luna Lovegood supermodel in the next movie? Yeah. Uh, That's what I'm well, afraid we'll of. Well, we'll find out See, in the January. thing is, I, I, agree with, I agree with Jamie to a certain extent, but the thing is, Hermione has never put a great deal of time into her appearance. The only time that we've uh, until ever seen Yule that Ball. is for the Yule Ball. And even after that, she never, there's no description of her ever. She even said so herself, trying to make her hair straight, she just wasn't going to do it again. It was too much of a hassle. Yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure that J.K. Rowling has intended it that way. To not look all fancy. Yeah. She's smart. She doesn't mm-hmm. care about looks. But she does, though, obviously. That... Well... No, 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 but she right does. Now. The Yule Ball, you know, just proved everything, all of that. It, like, all came together, and she she clearly does. And and everyone thought before then that she, that she was just, you know, obsessed with uh, doing well in school and everything. But it just turned out that she was a normal girl. Which means that, I mean, to be honest, you know... The the film producers can show that she cares about her looks because after you've been, oh, sorry after you've read book four you realise that. I think she does, and I think she is a normal girl to a certain extent. But I think she also realises that there are more important things that she has to Definitely, do. Definitely, yeah. Other than uh, put on lipstick. Yeah. But Jamie, you 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 have to think that it has to do somewhat with marketing. Oh yeah, no, no, I do. Of course, you can't. You know, I think. The, you have to the sell trio it. has to be that. Yeah, you Warner Brothers have to sell the trio as not only in the film but outside the film, and you know you can't pick. You can't always stay true to the book. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it is about. I mean, I, I think it's partly to do with marketing. I won't say it's completely to do with it, but they do have to pick people who fit the roles in the real world as well as. You know, in the films. I mean, even if there was the most her- perfect Hermione who hated fame and hated and hated all the publicity and PR stuff, you couldn't pick her because she wouldn't she she, she, she wouldn't suit the franchise. I, I think you have to you have to pick actors to suit the franchise as well as you know the sort of mm-hmm. interior of the film. Very good point, mate. Very Cheers, good. man. Well, now that our main discussion is over, I think we should uh, do some regular segments. Jamie, he's back this week. Everybody, it's time for Jamie's British joke of the day. Thanks, man. Sorry. Okay, um, I haven't really had time to get a good one. I'll think about a good one, but I came up with... Well, somebody told me this one, so I thought I'd save it. Okay. There's this trial going on, and a skunk enters the room. What does the judge say? Well... P.U. Odor in the court. (laughs) 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 I... I, <laughs> I love how Jamie's just the punchlines. You are? I like the most serious tones. I love I how know, you always what? do the punchlines. What? Seriously? Well, it's a serious matter, you know. These jokes. I hope they in the court. <laughs> I hope they bring a smile to a great many faces, and I promise you that next week's one will be better. <laughs> I thought it was good. Speaking of yeah. stuff this week, um, time for Spy on Sparts. Some of you think this segment's getting pretty lame, and... I don't know. This week isn't very isn't very much better. Emerson loves college. Okay, now let's go to Ben's weekly top ten list. The problem here is that I'm having trouble finding a top ten list that actually fits into the show well, and that isn't a chore for me to read, and that is that, that every point is actually funny. So that that is your challenge this week. There's a bunch of top ten lists that sent in. None of them really caught my fancy. I mean. They were good, but they just weren't quite what I was looking for. So this this next week, send me a top ten list that is the best thing you've ever heard. And it may maybe if if it's if I like it enough, maybe I'll even Skype you or something. Are, are you gonna read the Andrew one soon? We might do the Andrew. One. No, we have to. Yeah, do the you Andrew guys one. need to uh, send in some good top tens, or else Ben's top ten is gonna go the way of Bema. Hey. Oh, yeah, we're and we wouldn't we wouldn't want that. It's time for the second we second week of the dueling club. Mike came with some pretty good people this week. Some of you sent in the same exact pair. This is Fenrir Greyback Greyback and Remus J. Luke. Can I say something? 
can I say something? Yes. Okay. This just sort of pops into my head. I was going to say that Fenrir Greyback is, you know, the most vicious werewolf alive and all that, and I think if it was just, you know, like a one-on-one cage match with a Lupin against Greyback, I think Greyback would tear him apart. But, you know, I think that it all comes down to, to, to the same principle as Harry Voldemort and love, you know... I think Greyback's a kind of less powerful, less superior Voldemort character. And obviously Lupin can love and Greyback can't. Uh, so, I don't know, perhaps Lupin could find something to beat Greyback. But I'm probably being too optimistic and Greyback would tear him to shreds. No, I, I completely, completely, completely disagree. I think that if it came down to Lupin versus Greyback in a wizarding duel, I think that... Lupin would win. Due to the fact that Lupin is a marauder, he's had all his training, he's a defense against the dark arts teacher, he has proven himself to be competent in the past, so I think that he would win in a duel against Are Greyback. Are about transformed? Transformed state? Or? Well, there's definitely two, a different differentiation but there. Greyback isn't scared because about killing. Isn't, it, it's just, he, isn't a werewolf a werewolf, though, Jamie? Is there really a more vicious well, werewolf? Well, put it like this. Could, could like a really skinny, five-foot-tall guy turn into a you know a eight foot werewolf and would a six foot eight bodybuilder turn into the same werewolf or do their trans or, or, or like when they transform do their transformations mirror their like normal the statistics real. yeah mm-hmm. i don't know that's joe if you hear this so send send me a letter to the p.o box <laughs> i think they would have to because it's along the same line as, as animagus yeah definitely you you always transform it as something that mirrors you no, 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 because Animagus is different because they're transforming. They have to train to become an Animagus. When, you get, when you're a werewolf, you get bitten, and it's I sort of out of your that, control. I realize that, but you're not going to all of a sudden grow power overnight, you know? You're going to turn into something, and you're going to have your existing talents and power. Their personality traits. I don't, I don't see how it could increase. But wouldn't you say that their personality traits for animagus is, whereas, um, sorry, animagi, as the uh, scholastic pronunciation guide tells you, uh, wouldn't you say that their personality traits, like Rita Skeeter turns into a um, beetle because, you know, she's like, she spies on people, she's she does it, you know, like stealth, whereas, um, you know, James t- turns into prongs, you know, um, stag because it mirrors his, his personality and everything. Whereas, you know, a werewolf is a werewolf, I can't, you know. I just, I just think Greyback. You know, he's been, he's been called. Was it the Marshal of the Werewolves? Just like in Lord of the Rings, you know, you've got the eight Nazgul, and then you've got the ninth Lord of the Nazgul, who's, you know, superior in power. So I don't know. I just think that. Greyback would win. I hate to say it, but I think he would in either state, especially in the non-transformed state, because he, you know, he kills even when he isn't transformed. I don't think Lupin would stand a chance. Mm, I think Micah? with wands. I think concerning wands, they Ooh, would. Yeah, Lupin would kill him. Yeah, in the transformed, the transformed version, I think he doesn't stand a chance just because he didn't have much luck against uh, Sirius when Sirius was transformed. Yeah, I mean that was a pretty, pretty serious fight. No pun intended there, um, but. Um, he does have a little bit of, I guess, a quest for revenge against Greyback, since Greyback yeah. is responsible for him being a werewolf. So that might play into it a little bit as Sirius well. was fighting like a dog. Yeah, well, I think that covers that. What was the other one you came up with, Micah? What was the other two? Snape and Moody. Snape and Moody. Well, I'm going to say Mad-Eye Might Moody. Well. He's, he's, he, Mad-Eye Moody is the living legend. Who could be, No one could beat Mad-Eye Moody. They've Puff tried and tried and tried. And Voldemort, and almost Evan yeah, Rosier. Yeah, probably could. Evan Rosier. Do you think he'd be he a good wrestler in Mad-Eye Moody? No, because of, no, because of his leg. <laughs> like, it, it would fall off and he'd go down. I don't know, because Moody is aged. Yeah, true. And his reaction time is probably not quite what it used to be. And we know that Snape is good at what he does, so I'm on the fence there. But... Aren't Aurus supposed to be, like, the pinnacle of all, you know, ability and magic? So, like, Auras should really be able to defeat all other wizards, or they shouldn't be Auras, you know, because... Mm-hmm. I don't know. Because, I mean... But here's the thing. Do you think Snape is powerful enough to be an Aura? I, I think he is. To? I honestly think he's... He's... I don't know. 
I really think he's a very, very powerful wizard because being, you know, sort of on both sides, as it were, he's learnt from Voldemort and he's learnt from Dumbledore. And, I mean, whatever people say about the dark arts being dark and evil, they are tremendously powerful. So I think... I think, I think that Snape is very powerful. I think he is as well. I, really I don't do. know if we've ever really seen him in action that much, have we? Besides... Besides when he killed Dumbledore, is that, isn't that really pretty much yeah, it? Yeah, which is kind of scary, because think about the potential he yeah. has. Do you think it takes a stronger Avada Kedavra curse to kill a more powerful wizard, though? Because, I mean, it's already been shown. That I you, don't know, you I, I think it creates the curse. Yeah, but, I mean, there has to be a difference between, like, killing a, killing a, a, a small child and killing Dumbledore, you know? Oh, that's definitely true, because... Th- mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. I think it has to deal with the other person's magical ability, too, because their ability to deflect to... Well, you can't deflect that curse, but to... Uh, you know, if of course it's going to be harder to kill Dumbledore because he can apparate around, he can move around a lot more... He's a lot more agile than a newborn baby would be. Apart from Harry, of course. And, yeah, <laughs> apart from Harry. <laughs> Harry didn't need yeah, any curses. Yeah, he did, yeah. Um, I think I I agree with you, Laura. I think Snape is ridiculously powerful, and I'm really interested to see what he's going to do in the next book. I don't know. I think it's a good topic to discuss: the security at Gringotts coming in book seven. Jamie, didn't you have something to, add to say about this? Um, well, it was more general. But I think Gringotts is a really interesting place. Uh, like the the uh, the goblins. I don't know how the good side like maintain their allegiance to them. Like, I can imagine goblins, you know, um, Hagrid said that they were very clever creatures, but they, they weren't very friendly, and that kind of just, you know, brings up an image of Voldemort and his followers. Like, you know, Voldemort's intensely clever, but obviously he's not that nice, to be fair. Uh, and I wouldn't... I mean, if I was Dumbledore, and, you know, I realised that Hogwarts was the safest place on Earth. I don't know why I'd keep the Philosopher's Stone in Gringotts in the first place. I mean, maybe, you know, it was in transit and he had to keep it somewhere, but... It... Why Why didn't he keep it in his hip pocket? Yes, that's, that's, that's oh. a great idea, Ben, that is. Well, why didn't he hide it in his toilet bowl? I mean, no one's going to look in there. In case he takes it and flushes it accidentally. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Blank. Uh. Can you still put the, 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 that in, but just beep it out? Beep the word out. Yeah, I will. E. Yeah. Ah, uh, jeez. I, I I don't know if I don't know if Gringotts is really any safer than Hogwarts, like you said, Jamie. Because I think it's less safe. Gringotts was Gringotts was blo- broken yeah. into, and we saw so was we, we saw yeah, Hogwarts was as well. Th- that that's true too. But there isn't a uh, extremely powerful wizard. Well, there wasn't one like Dumbledore watching true. over watching over Gringotts, and when he was watching over Hogwarts, it was pretty much the safest place there was. Yeah. Which is why I believe that. A place as safe as Hogwarts couldn't see the, the, the one of the most powerful wizards of the of the age go down to sever Snape. Why couldn't he use wandless magic? Yeah, there true. was a a very large emphasis on that in book seven, six. I mean, excuse me, book six. There was a very large emphasis on one on wandless yeah. magic in book six. That's because I and think it's going to play an integral role in book seven. Yeah, yeah, definitely. When Especially you look at what scenarios, why is that? Oh, excuse me, excuse me. Not there was not an emphasis on wandless magic non-verbal in book six. Spells, yeah. It was non-verbal. Excuse me. I don't want people to email me and be, <laughs> be upset. Yeah. It, there was em- there was an emphasis on non-verbal spells. Which they're, and was, they're both just as important. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're both. Yeah, they are. But I think that there's a specific reason concerning Hermione that we saw uh, non-verbal magic in this book. Because if you go back and look, she's unusually good at it. She doesn't have to work very hard at it. But that's the case with Whereas everything, isn't it? everyone else around her is struggling. And it's not just, you know, like Alohomora. It's something that's very, very advanced, and I think it's going to play a key role. Well, in... could you do, do Laura, do you think that you could perform one of the unforgivable curses using using no. non verbal oh, spells? Sorry. I don't know. I don't think you can. Um there's no advantage to using a verbal spell over a non-verbal spell apart from its, you know, display and its uh, impressiveness. Like, well, you're not knowing it's no, coming. No, not not true, not true. Yeah, you're not going to know it's coming if you. No, no, no. no, no. There's spell. no advantage of, of using a verbal spell. I said. So, like, in the no, in the oh, sorry, I didn't mean to. Uh, it's ten past three. To everyone listening, I'm really sorry. Um, it's in the unforgivable 
Curse's chapter in book four. Uh, Moody, you, you know, if he can perform non-verbal spells, then there'd be no point in performing a verbal spell to uh, to kill the spiders. It's like, you know, and exactly the same in book six, when Snape kills Dumbledore, why would he need to say it if, if you know, if there was no need for it? And in, and in book five, in the Ministry of Magic, when Voldemort... You know, was about to kill Harry after saying you've irked me. You know, too far, too long for too far, or whatever he said. You know, there was no need well, to do yeah, it. Why can't he do it when Harry exactly. was expecting it? Why couldn't he just those kill three? Him? I, you yeah. know, if Voldemort has to do it, has to say it. I think you've got to say it to do it. But um, do, do you think we? I had a topic. Do you think that with Dumbledore gone, Gringotts is now safer than Hogwarts? And do you think that Hogwarts can be infiltrated a lot, lot further now and a lot deeper now that Dumbledore's gone? I don't think so. Well, if I think that's part of the I, reason the they're fence. contemplating the closing it. Well, yeah. if Harry's not there, that's well, very good, who yeah. cares? Yeah, that's true, too. Yeah. If Harry's not at Hogwarts, what reason is there for them to because worry it's, about Because it? it's that's... a school. You know, all schools have security. You, you know, it, it isn't only to protect Harry. It's, it's to protect all of the students. But they're... Yeah, but Hogwarts will most likely be closed in the first place. Well, yeah, but that, but that isn't only to do with Harry. Said. The, you know, the reason it's going to be closed is for the safety of the students. Right. So what's your point? I, I, well, I think the point he's trying to make is that Dumbledore added the, the safe watch around Hogwarts. Oh, that, That's probably the reason they didn't, they didn't close it for the, initially in Book 6. And in, with Book 7 coming, that they may have no choice but to close it because, think about it, the person who has been deemed the most powerful wizard of the age was killed in his own backyard. Yeah, yeah. That's not going to do very well for the morale of the the parents of the students who are trying yeah. to attend the school. Yeah, not to mention all the kids that won't be coming back. Yeah, which will be lots now. That Dumbledore's. But gone. you still have your your regular powerhouses that could still keep the place like relatively it. under control. Well, I mean, okay. Well, S- Snape's sort of out of the loop now. But you got McGonagall. McGon- I think she's not really... that powerful though. Compared she's to she's she tough. She's the a school. tough woman. She can manage the school, but yeah. I don't think that managing the I, school. I don't think that she wields the, se- the same amount nearly. of respect or they, power. Yeah, uh, my point with her was that she was tough and she could she could handle. I think it's just a show. the school. I, I don't think she could because like, they, sorry, they could put Ministry of Magic people in place. This, they know, lose this, automatically, you know. The whole point throughout the entire series is that the ministry doesn't interfere at Hogwarts, and that has to continue for the school to stay open. But I was going to say, um, in Order of the Phoenix, do you, McGonagall, sorry, if if Dumbledore was in McGonagall's fa- place, he'd have been, you know, hit squarely in the chest by those by those bolts from um, from the Ministry of Magic people, and taken off to hospital. No, I don't. No, exactly. And also, um, I can't remember which book it's in. Oh no, but. No, no, it's in um, it's in book four after Harry gets back from the graveyard and McGonagall sort of picks him up and you know she's all shaky and 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 she she says that he has to go down to the hospital wing but but Dumbledore stands his ground and says that he has to stay. The difference between them between both of them there is absolutely remarkable. Like Dumbledore's still still you know he he's sort of standing solid. He's uh he's tough. He's firm. He uh he still has an air air of authority. Whereas McGonagall breaks down. There's no way that she could take over. Well, no, 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 no. She wasn't. Bro- she wasn't breaking down. She was. No, it was sort of the motherly instinct she had. Yeah, it wasn't. She she was shaking and everything. She. It was. There's no way that, that that she could, you know, rule Hogwarts to the same degree as Dumbledore's. Absolutely no way. I want to hear what Micah Tannenbaum has to say about this. Well, this was my question, actually. Andrew kind of transitioned into it, talking about McGonagall and the heads of the different houses. With Slughorn now being the head of Slytherin, can the houses finally unite? Snape's gone. Malfoy's gone. Slughorn is in charge of Slytherin. Yeah, that's true. I, I would say no way. Yeah, because there's still too much animosity yeah. there. Because people believe that if you're in Slytherin, you're you're not you're you're is, scum. <laughs> yeah, but Draco isn't the only obstinate Slytherin. I know in the movies they've kind of portrayed he, Crab, and Goyle as being the only crummy Slytherins. What with the scene at the end of Chamber of Secrets where everyone but them stands up to clap for Hagrid, um, I don't think that's an accurate portrayal at all. And I think that a yeah. good majority of Slytherin students are like Draco. But kids will bond. Okay, I I really don't think that kids will bond together in times of 
crisis. Don't you think? But like, not ha- at my imagine in real life. <laughs> well, but but Andrew, how important is it in the school that they unite? Because you know, it's the, not I mean, really the sorting important. Hat, but I mean, no, 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 but the sorting hat talks about like how you know everyone has to unite or, or they'll crumble from within. But is it talking? Exclusively about the school, or is it talking about the, uh, the the magical world as a whole? Because you know, in the end, Hogwarts is a school. You, you know, I would think I mean, it's talking about the they're school. all young. They're all young. Well, but, I'm but thinking, everyone's so young, though. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking well, that the Sorting Hat was trying to teach them a life lesson. Was yeah. trying to send them out into the world, ready to unite. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. I just think like I'll give you an example. I, I forgot to bring this up about movie four. If you guys notice. Um, after Cedric dies, they're all in the Great Hall, and they do a pan from the the ceiling down to where everyone's sitting. And the banners up top, you know, they're usually Gryffindor, Slytherin, yeah. Ravenclaw, Hufflepuff. They're all usually all there. But when Cedric died, it was just all Hogwarts across it. And I don't think a lot of people thought that through. Maybe even Newell didn't think that through. But what well, I saw that book. was, was it? I don't know. I see. Yeah, well, that's the, the point. There you go. They, she's demonstrating the unity. It wasn't. It wasn't about. No, she's demonstrating. But Dumbledore. I don't think that all the Dumbledore put those banners up. To, it, yeah. it isn't representative. They didn't, they didn't have, have a vote on it. Well, that's when Dumbledore. Dumbledore well, I know out. that, but that's what Dumbledore was trying to portray and wanting them to do. Yeah, but there's lots of things that that, that Dumbledore wants that Dumbledore doesn't get in the school. You know, I don't think. I mean, he was trying to unite them, but there's just no way they will unite. And, and it's part of school rivalry. School rivalry, you know. I mean, you, you always have college rivalry, you have high school rivalry. Yeah, but in it, times it, of crisis, I mean, I don't want to bring personal examples into this, but I don't know. That's just from what I've experienced. I think kids tend to bond together after. And, and in any time of crisis, think... with any time of crisis, look to nine eleven. Well, that after, was one of my after... examples. Well, after 9-11, what happened was America sort of united together. Sometimes we look past our neighbor's flaws. Well, I'm going to take this back to Slughorn, but I, I was just saying that the potential is there. You know what I mean? The potential to unite is there. There's no more barriers that sort of exist. Do you know what I'm getting at? Apart from... Yeah, but Slughorn... Micah Tannenbaum, Micah Tannenbaum, for like the second time tonight, you've hit the hammer on the head. I, th- I think I think well, Mike is I think Mike is 100 percent like what Laura just said. Slughorn though, could you get anyone more divisive than than, uh, than Slughorn? He 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 like recruits people into his into his lunches on on how on like you know how how much money they've got, what type of background they're from. How can he be a source of inspiration of unity? How how, how can he unite all of the Pure bloods and the Muggleborns and everything. In but in a way, he already started to. With how? I mean, as divisive as the Slug Club is, there's still people from all different. Houses yeah, but that's there. just a tiny, tiny representation of. Uh, and even then, they, they weren't united. You think of the conflict between McLagan and Harry after their first, you know, confrontation on the on the uh, train. I, I think if anything, Slughorn's going to be. And Dumbledore kind of kept a, you know, you know, some some reins on him when he was still alive, but. I think Slughorn just wants power. I think he's kind of a power. I think that there's an opportunity for a certain small amount of Slytherins to uh, cross the bridge, I guess you could say. But as for the whole house, no. I don't. It's not going to happen. Well, I mean, this may be stretching it a bit, but you know, I think Dumbledore brought him to Hogwarts for a reason. And if you go along the yeah, whole line definitely. of Dumbledore knew what was going to happen to him, and this whole Snape thing was planned out, and he knew Snape wasn't going to be there at the end of the year, you know what I'm saying? It, it may be stretching it a bit, yeah. but if he knew that Slughorn was going to be taking over, maybe he saw the potential there for, for something Yeah, to good point. I really don't have anything else to say about that. that. Um, why don't we move on? Okay, well, since since Jamie's been gone, let's have him do two British jokes a day. Go, Jamie. Yeah. One more, though. One more. Right, okay. I made this joke at myself when I was very bored, so it could be a bit uh, rubbish. But anyway, listen along. Okay, there is this piece of butter, okay? And he thinks, I'm not doing, I'm not doing very well in life, so I really want to, you know, to, 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 to start 
making ends meet and, uh, and progressing. So he jumps onto half a slice of bread, and he thinks, oh yeah, this is quite good, this half a slice of bread, but I still think I can do better in life. So he jumps onto a full slice of bread, and, and, and this, is, this is amazing, this is, he thinks, I'm really living the high life, but he thinks, I can still go further. So he jumps onto a slice of toast, and this is, this is very, very comfortable, this slice of toast. You, you, you know, it's just like absolute luxury, but he thinks, I can still go further in life. So he jumps onto the next thing. And by now, he's thinking, okay, you know, I've lived a very good life. I think it's about time I wrapped everything up. And he starts to walk away. But his friend calls out, oh, no, don't stop now. You're on a roll. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That was good. I actually made that up. I, I liked made that. that up. I thought that was good. Thank you very much. Don't ask me how I made it up. I just did. It must have came to me in a revelation or something like that. Well, I hope you guys have enjoyed the show to this point. But before we wrap things up, it's time for everyone's favorite segment. I love this. The thing. Las Vegas Minute. Faster than a New York Minute. Much faster, in fact. Okay. Well. No, wait. We have to say ready, set, go. Okay, the Las Vegas minute begins now. Okay, Jamie, you have announced sixty fifty nine. Oh, oh well, I, I'm really, really hoping to come along to Vegas. I, uh, it's it's almost definite, but I, I just have to, you know, find out about booking the flights and everything, and uh, see, seeing if anyone, see if there's anyone here I can go with. Sweet. Um, but yeah, I hope to see a load of you there. Hopefully, and uh, I hope you can come to the podcast. We're going to we, be there. We've already gotten a ton of emails saying that they're going to be coming, and, and, yeah. and we're still seven and we months away. We have a lot of staff coming. Awesome. We have a lot of our staffers are coming. Yeah, a yeah, bigger I group. Know, it's going to be a much bigger group yeah. this year. I'm not sure why. I thought more of us lived out on these coasts. I don't know. Huh? Mm, I'm not sure, but for some reason, I think everyone thought of you know saw how fun New York City was and. Decided that they wanted to come yeah, to this. I think that must I'm be really it, yeah. excited. They wanted a piece of the action in Vegas. Yeah. We're gonna yeah, have sleepovers. It's be really fun. I'm gonna be there in three, two, one. That concludes Las Bang. Vegas minute number three. Okay. Excellent. Well, oh, just one last thing. The Las Vegas minute. Yeah, just one last thing. This is episode twenty. Ooh. Ooh. No, seriously, we've done this for twenty episodes. That's the big really, two zero. That's an accomplishment. Something to be proud of. This is I my just to point it out. ninth episode. Woo, next week is my 20th. Oh, okay. I haven't missed an episode and I'm proud. Oh, he will eventually. Come on, through sickness gonna, and in hell. It's like a marriage. We're going to put up a stat <laughs> yeah. page, Andrew. You know, like the sports teams have. Uh, most consecutive. Okay, well, <laughs> I think that wraps up episode 20 of Michael Cast. Like Andrew said, we've gone a long, long way. Well, let's see I here can't... what I have to say. Oh, yeah. Remember, we have a new number. What is the new number, Andrew? One, two, and eight, twenty, magic. And we also I have a post office that. box. MuggleCast, P.O. Box 223, Moundridge, Kansas, 67107. Also, you can email us, send in a voicemail, the voice at staff.mugglenet.com. Email us at mugglecast at staff.mugglenet.com. Subscribe to us through iTunes. Subscribe to us through Rodeo. All of that jazz. Direct download us. Do all of it. And and one thing Andrew. about the P.O. Box, um, if you wanted to go to a specific person, just put their name on it. You know, attention, Andrew. Attention, Ben. Whoever. Mm-hmm. And send us Christmas gifts, please. Come on. Oh, that'd be so <laughs> Andrew's cool. Andrew's like Tiny Tim. <laughs> I, I want a Chipotle gift card. Okay. <laughs> I, want... I want an iPod. Oh, guys. I'll buy you an iPod, up. Laura. Oh, thank you. Before we go, everybody, I'm BenShane.com. I'm AndrewSims.com. <laughs> I'm Micah Tannebell. Not .com. <laughs> .org, actually. <laughs> .org. I'm <laughs> LauraThompson.net. EDU. You're definitely an <laughs> okay. EDU. Okay. <laughs> we all know what Jamie is. .co.uk. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. And I am Jamie Lawrence. M A N. That M A N. That code at UK works better for you. Uh, no. Okay, Good fine. Night, everyone. Man. Bye. 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 Bye.
That was nice. I like that. That was smooth. Smooth. Yeah. Smooth as a baby's bottom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I should put that at the end. Yeah. I'll probably put that at the end. Smooth as a baby's bottom. <laughs> yeah, but you're gonna, yeah. Get, you're gonna have to get smooth as a baby's well. bottom. Otherwise, it sounds like I'm a paedophile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? Paedophile. Paedophile. You mean pedophile? Yeah, no, I don't mean that. I mean paedophile. What you didn't know about your favorite muggle caster. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he likes little boys. <laughs>